This episode of The Undead Wookiee is dedicated to Lorraine Cole, who sadly passed away this week. Lorraine, thank you for everything. Thank you for the memories. Thank you for the crutches, for the threats. I would kick in the dick if I didn't get my ass on stage. Thank you for just being you and being just a wonderful, caring, loving, joyous person. Thank you. Hello and welcome to the Undead Wookiee Podcast, episode 78, Phantasm 1979. The Undead Wookiee is a fortnightly-ish podcast focusing on horror and sci-fi, but there will be times where we dip into other genres because here at the Undead Wookiee, our nerdiness knows no bounds. Hello and welcome back. I am your host as always, Hugh Lloyd. Now, before we dive into the strange world of Don Coscarelli... And I introduce my very, very special co-host for this episode. Let's check out the trailer. Phantasm. Is it a nightmare? Phantasm. Is it an illusion? Phantasm. Is it an evil? You have to take me home. What? what? No questions. You must take me home. Phantasm. Is it a fantasy? scare you. You're already dead. Phantasm. And we are back, ladies and gentlemen. And this time, I am joined on his very first solo outing. It's the one, the only, the man who put the trash into Slash. Mr. Gareth Morgan, how the devil are you, sir? Mate, I am amazing. Thank you very much. But I'm also so scared because Jay's not with us. Uh, well, nobody can get us online. <laughs> However, we don't have to worry about his filthy mouth. Oh, he's terrible. It's it. It will. He he lowers the tone every time. Every to time. Be every single time. There's always yeah. one, and uh, with us is Jay. 
we're, we're, mate, we're, we're better off without him, to be honest. Three's a crowd. Three yes. is a crowd. Yes, yes. And until one of us says something daft, and then I'm like, I gotta cut this out. <laughs> yeah, and then and then there will just be one of us talking and then nobody <laughs> replying. So that's that won't work yeah, to be and honest. We, and so. we tried that with the with the folk horror episode first time round. <laughs> yeah. However, this time we are talking Phantasm from 1979. Now, what amazed me when I watched this is how 70s Phantasm is. <laughs> yeah, it's just like. It's almost like it's it's a it's the perfect time capsule of the seventies. It is hundred percent the hair, the yep. the bell bottoms, you know yep. the, the music. What what cracks me up about Fantas? One of the many things that I love about it is everywhere they go, they utilize the Phantasm theme. So yes. when they're in there, when they go to when Jody goes to the bar. And then it's got like a sort of like a rock, a little cool seventies rock version yeah. with the with the twang, the, the little the main twang. Wow, 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 wow. And then like, and then at the start they're at, they're at the funeral, they're at Tommy's funeral, yeah. and then it's sort of playing in the background on the organ or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, man, you're really getting your mileage out of that soundtrack, you know. That, that is one thing you can say about Don Coscarelli. He knows how to make a dollar last. Yeah, he can 100%. stretch that dollar. Now. I mean, I, I, I've watched this film, I don't know how many times, but sort of sitting down recently and watching it again, this is one strange film at times. This is one weird film. There are moments in this where you just go, okay, I'm just going to go with it. It's, I'm just going to go with it because it's just, it is, it, the best way to describe this is it's a dream, it's a nightmare. It's dream logic. Yeah. Yeah, hundred percent. It's it's some, and I think when I was a kid, um, and I I've been used to just seeing, you know, your your real sort of basic horror films. Like I grew up on on Jaws and like Friday the Thirteenth and yeah. stuff. And what I say, I grew up on that. I mean, we're talking. I saw Phantasm first time when I was about like eleven or twelve. Yeah. But I was just used to real basic, you know, Jaws, just one buddy, you know, going through the sea, killing people, blah 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 blah. Jason, a guy in a in a mask, killing people. And then when I first saw Phantasm, I was just like, this is bonkers. It's like it's yeah, it's like, it's like a a nightmare it's it's non-linear it's it's all over the place it's bonkers it's a bit horror it's a bit sci-fi kind of comedy as well to be honest yeah yeah um it's a bit of everything it's a mishmash and and that's why i loved it because i was just like this is off the walls like doing drugs <laughs> yeah and i mean could you I, I think this would work really really well with like a, the pairing of something like the beyond as a double yeah. feature because you yeah, well, yeah. i mean don't take any kind of hallucinogenics whilst doing it because yeah. you will be in a really, really bad state. But it's that sort of trippy world that you were in. It's amazing. It is amazing. Yeah, I mean, the beyond, to be honest, on its own, you know. <laughs> so if you're, if, if you're throwing in that and then that Phantasm, the double feature, I don't know what will happen to your brain afterwards, to be yeah. honest. Yeah. You might need to take some time off work. Yes, yes. Yeah, you might need to. Now, two months like me. Yeah. <laughs> Now, here's the thing, right? This was directed by one of my favourite directors, and it was written by him as well, is, is Don Coscarelli. Um, it stars uh, A. Michael Baldwin as Mike, Bill Thornbury as Jody, the wonderful, legendary Reggie Bannister as Reggie. Uh, you've got Kathy Lester, who is the Lady in Lavender. I never <laughs> knew her name until again, all the times that I've seen this over the years. Didn't realise that she actually had a character's name. Yeah, yeah, they, yeah. She basically they were going to be her and the tall 
Spawn Man were originally going to be like separate entities, separate characters, but somewhere along the line, along the process, they just decided to uh, just sort of amalgamate the two and, and make her like a alter ego of the Tall Man. So no, there's no real explanation behind it, but it works. It, it, and oddly enough, it does work. And of course, we get the magnificent Angus Scrim as the Tall Man. Um, how, how do you describe this character? How do you describe, you know, boy? Um, uh, I, it, I, I don't know. It's just there's something about him. Every time we're on, like, you know, Twitter or Facebook or whatever, and everybody's, like, discussing, you know, the best, like, horror villains of all time, and they're talking about your Michael Myers and your Jason Voorhees mm. and your Freddy Krueger, um, it for a long time, the tall man was never mentioned. He's no. never like revered in the same way. But what I do love is over the last, I don't know, like five, 10, 15, maybe even 20 years, he, he sort of does get thrown in there now. Yes. Um, and I, and, it, and I, I think he deserves it. There's something just so awesome about him. He just, he doesn't even have to like, I know obviously, you know, Michael Myers and Jason don't talk, but the tall man, he has minimum lines, but he yes. can just, he could just evoke fear just from his stature. He's this tall, slender dude. He kind of looks sort of half dead anyway, doesn't yes, he? Yes, sort of he thing. does. Yeah. And he's got the way he raises his eyebrows. He's got that grimace, that look on his that jawline where, yeah. you know, he just he looks so angry like he's about, he's out to get you sort of thing. So, um, yeah, he's, he's, he's a total icon for me. I love him. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I think he sort of, I think as the, the series has progressed, because, of course, there's quite a few, you know, there's, um, is there five films in total now? Yeah, there are five films. Like Ravager was the last, um, but and, and, and sadly, Angus Scrim is no longer with us. That uh, is no longer with us. Um, but that character is just—it's just so iconic. The way he looks, the way he stands, um, the way he moves, the fact you know—and he just appears. He just appears, what? and it's just like he's there. You know, there's no sort of like you know, it's like that. You know the. The scene where the um, Mikey uh, Mike sees him uh, walking down the street, yeah, uh, and like Reggie's like opening up the ice cream van, and all the like the dry ice comes up, and he stood there just staring across. It's brilliant. He's absolutely wonderful. That that's a great scene. And what what's interesting about that scene is is for years as a kid when I watched it, I always thought that he was um, loving how cold it was. That he was embracing he was like oh my god i love it when it's cold yeah um and then like you realize like i remember watching like the deleted scenes and there's a deleted scene where they 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 kill him basically by using like a fire extinction using the cold because mike remembers yeah. his reaction to the cold um and on the commentary even angus scream himself says it, it was left sort of ambiguous as to whether he was in pain or yeah. whether he was enjoying it so it, it took me a long time to realize that he actually hates the fucking cold you know it's like yeah. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Now, I'm gonna, you know, be in the host. I'm gonna, tr- I'm just gonna pass the buck on this one. Explain the plot. <laughs> Are you joking? I can't. How have you done this to me? <laughs> How have you done this to me? <laughs> Explain the plot. Yeah, I mean, um... it's insane. It is well, insane. Well, yeah, I mean, basically, I suppose you know, the quickest way to sum it up would be, you know, uh, two brothers who recently suffered the loss of their parents. Um, the younger brother uh, ends up doing a little bit of digging around uh, Morningside, um, like the, the cemetery, um, after one of their friends dies and stumbles upon a few weird goings on. 
So that's sort of really without going into too much detail, it's difficult to. I should just I should have read it off IMDb, shouldn't I? Yeah, well, yeah but I mean, but even like I mean, on IMDb, I think it just quite literally says um, a teenage boy faces off against a uh, mysterious grave robber, and is that that's not really summing it up because it's far more, you know, complex than that. Um, it is, it is, yeah. And and so the grey rom elements don't really come in. Well, he does see it quite early, I suppose, but you don't really find out until later on in the film that that's sort of what's going on as such. So yeah, yeah, it's it's one of those movies you don't, you probably wouldn't ever really need to look or read the plot. You've just got to watch it and figure it out for yourself. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and there, are, you know, I mean, Don Coscarelli is sort of his. I think he's, you know, I mean, this is made for a. You know, a three hundred thousand, the budget for this tiny, tiny budget. Yeah, uh, made twelve million. Mind made twelve million on its initial release. Uh, Tidy. It was great. <laughs> Happy days. But like the the world that he creates in this, um, and I mean, of course, Don Coscarelli famously did Bubba Hotep, which is another great film, another great film, um, and of course, Beastmaster. Um, yeah. But this is this is sort of. This is his real, this is his universe. And he's created this nightmare-esque world where you've got this young boy uh, who's like sort of suffering the trauma of losing his parents and then is like following his brother around everywhere he goes. Um, Even to the point where he's watching his brother um, have sex (laughs) in a graveyard. (laughs) Which is really creepy. Which is like the, I'll say the best scene ever. I, I shouldn't, I shouldn't, really, I shouldn't really be saying that, but it's just because the the poor kid can't catch a break because like he's he's obviously following his brother because he's just he's just so paranoid that his brother's just gonna up and leave him. Yes. Um, and he actually gets to see a pair of boobies, which great. But then the minute he sees a pair of boobies, he, 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 he then next thing you know, a lurker starts running towards him. Um, and then and, and obviously he has to just run off. Shit in his pants, basically. So he, he can't catch a break, the poor kids. Yeah. Now, the lurkers. Um, what's interesting is people just go, oh, my God, they're Jawa ripoffs. They're not. Yeah. This, they, no. Th- these were created before Star Wars because the um, Coscarelli, is, you know, he's got all like the, um, he created loads of different artwork and things for them. Um, yeah. But essentially what they are is reanimated shrunken down corpses. <laughs> yeah. Which are stored in like these, like, um, like sort of, I don't know, like big sort of toxic waste barrels um, that then get sent through a portal into another dimension to be slaves. And and, that, and that's when it goes really sci-fi. Yeah. And that, and and that's the thing. And I've I've never really been into sci-fi, but again, I think it was probably as a kid seeing it sort of just completely. The not saying the narration didn't change, but seeing it sort of just sort of morph into this sci-fi sort of scenario i was like what the hell and it it did sort of pique my interest i guess because i'd never really been into it before and i, I kind of love it for it it just it just takes a sort of left random left turn it's like oh okay so it's now and he's now not just some creepy dead dude who's just into dead bodies he's sending them to another dimension and and what you know it's yeah it's, it's just totally bonkers it is insane and i mean you've got this you get this incredible like scene as well just after, because, you know, he witnesses, because apparently there was a big cut scene as well um, where the character Joey 
who dies at the beginning of the film. Um, or it, it's his funeral. There was a whole backstory with him as well, wasn't there? And that got cut. That got taken out. Yeah, I remember reading about it, but to be honest, I can't remember exactly what the deal was. The only thing I do remember is um, (laughs) what they did keep in was the weirdest sex position I've ever seen in my life. And his trousers (laughs) are on. If you think about it, if you watch, they're lying down, their legs are sticking out, obviously, from beyond the gravestone. But then the way the angle is, she's clearly like on top of him sort of riding him but like she'd have to be arching her back up to the point where she's basically breaking her back it doesn't it's not physically possible it's like i don't understand and i, and I remember watching that as a kid even thinking that don't seem right because i was only like 11 or 12 i don't know something's I know, not right i had no experience but at the same time i was just thinking i don't i don't quite get this but um i know that apparently the actor uh, i think on the commentary, he'd worked with Don Coskelly before. He's a, I think he was in a band, yeah. and the guy who plays Tommy. And he said, mate, just put me in one of your films. Just please put me in, and I just want to die. It'd be great if I could die. So that's why he's in there. But there we are, perfect. And I mean, he, <laughs> you know, because he snuffs it, um, which then sets the whole thing in motion. Um, and I love the fact that Mike is riding his motorbike over tombstones. And just yeah. riding his motorbike around somebody's around the cemetery, it's you know it's just so bizarre, so strange. And they they rented all those tombstones. Uh, again, that looks amazing because I just assumed that that was a graveyard they were they were shooting in. It was just like a big open park or whatever area. Yeah. Um, and they rented apparently tombstones, all of the tombstones from 20th Century Fox, and just dotted them around. Wow! So how cool is that? It just uh, looks yeah. real to me. And I mean, like even I know that when the, one of the big things about it, this film, you know, considering it's three hundred thousand three hundred thousand dollars, looks great. It looks superb, and some of the effects in this are really, really good. Yeah. Um, you know, they, they work so well, and they still stand up really, really well. Um, but, like, the actual mausoleum, that is all plastic and wood. None of it's marble. Yeah. Um, it's, you know, it's a set that they built, and it looks so real. For years, I was yeah. convinced it was marble, but no, it's, it, you know, they built that set. You yeah, know? the only thing that's real was the floor. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. and I mean, the other thing that we that we get, of course, we get the iconic silver ball that flies around the mausoleum and digs into somebody's head and then drills through it once it's there it's it's a simple effect and it's a, you know it's a, it's a you know the, the classic um uh, object on a wire ga- uh, gag but oh my god it's so effective it's so effective and it came to Don in a dream, didn't it? Apparently, yeah. yeah it, where they were chasing him, these these silver spheres would just like jet out of. I think these little um, I can't remember what he said they were, but they were just like jetting out of on the like the the wall or whatever, and just flying after him. And and he said that's sort of where we got the, the inspiration from. And I was just thinking, what? Because he was a young guy. I think he was only about twenty three when when he made the film. Yeah. So yeah. I'm thinking, like, his this kid must have been really like into some heavy drugs to be having those <laughs> kinds of dreams. You know, everyone has scary dreams, but it's normally scary dreams based on things that you have watched on TV or whatever. So this guy clearly is you know, a creator because something like that coming to him is that's, that's, that's special. Yeah, oh absolutely. And it's you know, and that scene where it digs into that guy's head and <laughs> then the blood starts like spraying out in like this sort of like jet. 
everywhere through the orb. It's a, it's really, really awesome. It's such a good scene. And obviously it's you know, as the other as the films go on, they become they become the key feature, don't they? They they, they become the sort of almost the the mask for the film. They become the Myers mask or the hockey mask, right? When you know, when people say phantasm, it's like the silver orb that just yeah. that flies around. It's you know, it's a it's a brilliant but simple sort of idea that came to him in a dream. <laughs> well, yeah, it is because it, yeah, because obviously you've got like the tall man. So it's almost you get sort of like two villains for the price of one. Because yeah. like the tall man, the tall man is absolutely spectacular, but then he's got these little silver spheres as well. So you know, like you can't say that about like Michael Myers or, or Jason. They've got their weapons or whatever. And I suppose you could argue they're the tall man's weapons, but on their own, they're they're pretty special. You know, when they can do a lot more damage than well, they could do the damage on their own without the tall man. If you see what I mean, so. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Now, one of the standout things in this film is, of course, uh, Reggie Bannister, who um, plays the character Reggie. Um, and Don Coscarelli actually created the character of Reggie based around Reggie Bannister, who was Don Coscarelli's friend. Um, and I think it's fair to say that, you know, Reggie Bannister's got one hell of a career behind him and still going, in fact. Um, he has got... In total, he's you know he's been he's got fifty eight film credits to his name, and he has done everything from like I said, the you know from this to television to I think his last uh, film was Hong Kong uh, was it horror kung fu theater, um, you know he's in Monster School he's done loads and loads of um, sort of uh, guest spots in different horror movies and things and he's become a real icon, um, but the character Reggie in this. Is never out of his ice cream man's uniform. <laughs> it just it, it it looks amazing. He's sort of like this. He's like this badass guy. You just know that he's going to be like everybody's friend unless you mess with him. And then if you mess with him, you're going to get because remember the the scene where Mike and Jody are, are grabbing that little bug thing. Yeah, the fingers when 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 Mike chops off. Uh, the tall man's fingers and they turn yes. into a little bug um, and then they're they're trying to get the bug and they're grabbing hold of it in a jacket and then they're just like it's flying around and they put it into the the garbage disposal yeah. when reggie comes in that's the first sort of moment that he realizes that something strange is going on and you can see him when he's sort of he's on the floor and he looks up and he just goes what the hell is going on <laughs> and you just you just know like oh now reggie's involved watch out he's gonna kick some butt you know he's just i just love reggie he's just amazing and my uh, one of the great moments in this is where um jody is just sort of uh he sat there like on the porch and reggie just appeared just <laughs> yeah. playing the guitar and suddenly we get this like impromptu jam session yeah, just again, right, again, a, best track, best track ever, best yeah. track ever. Why did they not release it? It would have gone to number one in every country around the world. I mean, the soundtrack to this is superb. Um, it is absolutely superb. And I, I thought, oh, I, I, do you know what? I got to have a little look for this. I tried to track it down on vinyl. It's so expensive. I've got it. Have you got it? Yeah, I've got it. The the actual the blood stained virus, yeah, like yellow, yeah. yellow and yellow and red. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Jamie bought it for me. He oh, got it for wow. me as a Christmas present a few years back. Wow, it's like so expensive at the minute. It was I was looking on eBay and they was like, whoa. Not yeah, I mean, yeah, you probably gone for the original one. I'm sure yeah, mine yeah, is yeah. probably a reprint or whatever. I very much doubt it's original, but yeah, they are expensive as hell. <laughs> yeah, it's a great, great, and it's just it's just so sort of evocative. It just sort of creeps up. 
Um, it's a, it's a absolutely superb. Just um, because it's a rich, it's because it's inspired by um, like Goblin and Mike Oldfield, and it's got that yeah. synthy vibe. But it's also done. Um, it's performed by um, by a metal band. Um, originally, I've they, heard they, it. They were originally performed by a metal band, um, which I, I definitely want to be checking that out. I definitely yeah, need to be checking that it's, out. It's yeah, like like you say, it's 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 it works perfectly for the film. It's very hypnotic, and it gives you this sort of illusion that you know it's all sort of mystifying, and you're not really sure what's going on, sort of thing. And it's like a bit of a like it's sort of like a mild assault on your senses, sort of thing. You're like you're like, what the hell's going on? And it just it just works because it's it's kind of a bizarre sort of tune. Um, it's it's my like top three soundtracks easily. It's like that that Halloween and Halloween three. I, I can listen to the soundtracks of those films like yeah. all day long. Yeah, they're great. One of my one of my favorites. I mean, this is up there. Um, really, really impressed with the Maniac 2012 soundtrack. That's absolutely amazing. Uh, Turbo Kid soundtrack is superb just awesome um but prince of darkness is another one of my favorites yeah I yeah i mean great. i mean to be fair the, the music in all i love the music in all of carpenter's films prince of darkness is great i mean that's it that's that's a film that's starting to get some love now which is good yeah yeah absolutely and it deserves more love definitely it does more love. now one of the things that sort of gets a little bit of stick is a michael baldwin his performance in this I think it's. I think he certainly has like a bit of a marmite kind of <laughs> performance, because there are some people who just really dislike his his performance in this, and there are some people who just think, ah, oh, you know, yeah, they just go with it. Uh, which camp do you fall in? I love him. I think he's brilliant. I absolutely love him. E- even though, like, you, you can tell that he's, especially certainly in the later uh, movies he appears in, like three, four, and five, you can tell he's not the most gifted actor ever but as a child i th- i think i think it works brilliantly and um how, how do you pronounce his name i've always wondered this mark is it mark kermode or mark kermode mark kermode I always mark say mark, kermode i always say mark kermode yeah mark kermode about five or six years ago um i remember tweeting him we got talking after oh maybe no maybe once if i was it what you know the babadook yes when did that come out uh babadook i think 2000 Oh, 2000. I want to say it's 2007 for whatever reason, but I don't think it is. But uh, it's, it's, it's over four or five years, then, is it? Oh, yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah, he was he was saying how, um, I can't remember, he was talking about the child's performance, saying you may hate the kid in this movie, but you can't, you know, argue with the performance. And I don't know how, but me and him ended up tweeting, like, in the thread about, um, he said it, he re- it reminded him of Michael Baldwin in Phantasm, and, and he totally rates the performance of michael so that's so if he does well yeah who, who are we to argue with the good doctor I yeah mean, it's um yeah I, I i totally get that i can i can i can totally see that um uh because i mean some people really hate that kid's <laughs> performance in the barbatuck i didn't mind yeah it. yeah i i, yeah. I got it I, it I did you know but there are some people out there who hate it with a passion um <laughs> now one of the scenes in this that like sort of is the one of the sort of you kind of get the hint the thing you know things that are about to get a bit strange where mike goes and visits the grandmother fortune teller yeah <laughs> um, yes it's a great scene yeah <laughs> which again it's sort of almost sort of like sort of it does fall into that sort of 70s italian argento fulci dreamlike you know because it doesn't 
because she doesn't appear again after that, other than, I think, just in the background. Um, and she's there with her glasses, and she's all, like, withered over and looking creepy. Um, it's a it's a great scene, but it's like, what the hell? And that girl has got the star, like, tattoo on her face. Yeah, yeah, she's the greatest actress that ever lived. <laughs> She, she's like she's not she's not like wooden in any sense of the word. I don't think she's on this planet, <laughs> is she? In this, the, the um the fortune teller. She originally played the auntie. Um, it, there was a scene. I, I think they even filmed it. I'm sure they mentioned the commentary that they filmed it. She originally played the auntie where she's having a discussion with with um either uh, Jody where Mike's listening in or the two of them together about Mike about Jodie leaving. So that's why, that's where the whole thing comes in that, that, that Mike is just like, thinks, you know, um, Jodie's going to leave me, Jodie's going to leave me. Um, but for whatever reason, I think for timing, they, they decided to cut it. So they just got her to come back and play the fortune teller instead. Yeah. It's, it's, um, it's, a, it's an interesting scene because it doesn't quite sort of, it's like that sort of, but then it's like a direct contrast to what actually happens in the end um yeah yeah it's like everything's going to be okay your brother's going to take him with you and then um no he's not he died <laughs> so, yeah he's dead he's dead and it was all a maybe it was, it was a dream i don't know who knows you and, know so yeah but, she was a shit fortune teller. I, I hope he went and got his money back she's no mystic meg <laughs> no she's no mystic meg now this i mean there are loads of sort of um moments in this but i love how well armed that household is <laughs> yeah and he's you know just quite happy to sort of give his sort of 12 year old brother a shotgun there which is how it should be <laughs> there you go there's the ammunition um i'm off and he just leaves him with a shotgun which is just yeah and it, it, and you could tell he sort of thinks he's kind of being responsible and i suppose in a way he is because they've clearly discovered at that point that their friend tommy was turned you know probably murdered and then turned into a dwarf or whatever so i suppose that like there's a reason for it you know you're staying at home and if the tall man stops by you know you're going to need some weaponry but yeah it's it's it seems also a little bit irresponsible at the same time yeah 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 it's just that you won't let him have the beer if you remember that he won't let him have the beer he has a a sip of his beer but he takes it back so if i remember rightly yes he does yeah there's no more you can have a firearm yeah um, but you, you can't drink. Yeah, shot in the shotgun, but no beer for you, young man. <laughs> like you could, you could shoot three people before bedtime, but no beer. Yes, because that would just be irresponsible. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, they they were a very paranoid family. In fact, I, rem- I always remember thinking. I know that at the end of the film, you know, Reggie explains that Jody dies in the car wreck. Um, and for, for years, I always assumed that that's what happened to his parents as well. Maybe I read it somewhere. Yeah, well, it's but the, I, yeah. Yeah, I that... don't know if that's confirmed or not. So maybe they were like killed by the mafia or something, and that's why they've got shotguns lying yeah. around everywhere. <laughs> They're actually like the Sopranos. But yeah, that, that idea that sort of like uh, with like sort of Jody dying in that car accident, actually, what well, that 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 sort of like kind of fits in with this idea that actually the entire thing, the whole premise, is Mike's reaction to his entire family dying. Yeah. Um, and he is suffering from some kind of sort of PTSD, some kind of trauma um, that actually this is a, this is his reaction to um, death and trying to yeah. make sense of it. And like that idea that he sort of um, 
he's sort of, he, you know, he's becoming a teenager. So it's, you know, it, it, hormones are kicking in and it's that mixture of nightmares and sort of hormones raging and death and being afraid of being abandoned. And in his sort of mind, this is how he processes it. So which is why we get this kind of like dreamlike logic uh, to the film. Um, and like, it, and you get that wonderful nightmare sequence where Mike is lying in bed and then you realise, you know, the camera pulls back and he's actually in the cemetery with, you know, the the tall man just stood over him and then the, the, you know, the, the hands of the corpses like jump out and grab it. It's an amazing scene. Yeah. Amazing I- scene. Is is often ranked as one of the scariest scenes in any horror film, and and yeah, rightly so because it is that his his mind sort of drifting away, assuming that they're eventually going to come for him as well. Yeah. Um, does does he actually want them to come for him as well? Because you know, if your whole family has been killed, like you know, even if you're a little kid, you got your whole life ahead of you. Would you want to join them? Would you want to be dead? So it, I find that it's it's a really interesting scene because it's terrifying for us, the viewer, but maybe in a way it's his like sort of like a fantasy sort of thing um, that, that maybe he does want to go with them, even though he shows, you know, in, in the film that he's, he's battling against like the tall man and so on. But that's when he thinks that he's fighting for his brother, you know, and then when he realizes that his brother is, is actually dead, you know, so yeah, it's, it's, it brings up some really interesting ideas. And I think it's, it's, it's a lot deeper than maybe some would, would have you believe as well. Yeah. Yeah. And the other thing as well, that I kind of sort of, and I only got it this time round. I mean, I missed, I think I've seen before this, I must've seen this film about three, four times, probably a bit more. Um, but actually all the references to Dune in this yeah. film, uh, uh, I've I've read all about them. You'd have to tell me. I've never seen Dune. I mean, I mean, I love Dune, and and the book, it, it, the book is amazing, is absolutely amazing, and I'm really excited about the new one. That's kind of, you know, the, which I'm you know praying is going to be so much better than the David Lynch one. Um, but like in this one, you get the fact that the bar is called um, is called Dune. Uh, you get the scene where Mike puts his hand in the box, yeah, um, which is a direct is like a direct scene. Um, in Dune, I think you know, in Dune it's called the the the, um, the Dom uh, Dom Jabbar, Jom, Jom, my Dom Jabbar, some, some some kind of like or, you know somebody somebody will correct me, but it's like the Dom Gabar, Dom Jom, Jom, something like that. And he puts his hand in, and it's like his hand is burning, but he's got to keep it in there. Um, yeah. So it's like that idea of fear. Um, you get the like the Sentinels, um, you know, the, the the spheres. Um, you get some of that as well. In like in Dune, there's a there's a scene where. There is um, like a, like a killer drone type thing that's that's sent in, um, and so so you can clearly see that influence on him, um, and like people have compared like phantasm like like the first phantasm to like um, Jodorowsky's work, um, and like Jodorowsky of course famously was going to make Dune, um, and had like all this amazing um, it would have been amazing. To get this, you know, if he had made his version of Dune, um, but the, all those references are in there, and it's just like sort of, it's funny, isn't it, how you don't sort of pick up on these things. I mean, I, I only knew all this stuff from just from reading up about the movie over the last sort of twenty odd years, and I don't even know why I've, I've even. I think I have seen parts of Dune, um, but I've never actually sat down to watch it. But also, as well, they they were talking about is it two thousand one Space Odyssey? Yeah, yeah. There's a touch of that in there. 
Yeah. Um, um, so sci-fi roots, definitely, you know, and, uh, and that's, say, that's something that, that I was never interested in. Um, um, but obviously with Phantasm, you can clearly see the influence. And also, didn't they, in one of the new Star Wars movies, name yes. one of the characters? Yes, the, um, fa- um, General Phantasma. Uh, that's so, so cool. They, which, you know, which is amazing, which is great. Um, yeah. But and again, this, this, for this film being so clever, um and just there's so many ways in which you could see it there is an amazingly dumbass moment in it it's an amazingly dumbass moment <laughs> mike creeps all the way up like a ninja to the funeral home he's like yeah. stealthily sneaking up and then what does he do he kicks the fucking window through in the he just noise it. just bang yeah. he does yeah. all <laughs> And they just like it, smashes the fuck out of this window. It's hilarious. It's hilarious. I say, it's, there's so many moments in the film like that that make like me and my friends. We always watch it together and, and we laugh at them. The bit where he's like under the car and he hears all the noises, and then uh, for some strange reason, um, Jody rocks up and his feet are close together, and then he just goes bonk, and Mike just bonks him on the feet with the hammer. Yeah. Um, yeah. And what, why are his feet so close together? That's just weird. Um, and then the way uh, also because Don like edited it himself and the, the editing is hilarious because some of the it just the way it edits is so close together. Uh, it he bonks him on on the foot with the hammer, and all of a sudden it just it just switches to like Jody's face, like leering into the camera, going ah my fucking foot. Um, <laughs> it's just little moments like that. If they were edited differently, they probably wouldn't be that funny. But it's the way that he's done it it just they, it's just a quick quick change quick change from one frame to another whatever and it just yeah. it works it's just it's so humorous and then you get like sort of and then mike turns into macgyver to escape <laughs> his bedroom yeah and blows his face off yeah. in the process <laughs> it been, you know i mean in reality it would have blown his hand off but you know he sat there well i've got a shotgun shell and i've got a hammer if i tie this a pin to the shotgun shell and then hit the door it'll explode yeah. and i can get it or he could have just used the hammer and knocked a hole through the door it, it was an episode of blue peter that i never saw it was one it was that like, was taken off the air yeah here's one we made earlier well apparently with that scene they they only shot i think they only shot at the once because they wanted to do it again it didn't look so good but uh, mike was so scared that it was going to blow his face off. He was like, oh, I don't want to do it again. So, but I mean, yeah, what, what's I could get it to? I mean, I, I, I barely know how to work a microwave now at like 38 years old, but this kid, like you said, it's like they, they've got shotguns in that, in the house. Mike's driving a Hemi Cooley. He's driving a car around. He, he, he's really awesome at this kind of like makeshift ammunition DIY type shit. And it's well, like, it's the are they in the army or something? Yeah, it was the fact he carries like a wrench in his back pocket. And the knife. Remember the knife he yeah. puts he, he puts down down the side of his of his his calf. Line. Yeah, I mean, oh, it's, and so it's, not, it's not like a little knife. It's, no, it's, ma- it's, it's massive. It's a massive knife. That he and just, that's like, how he chops in his boot. Yeah, if you notice as well, when the, when he shuts that door on the tall man, when the tall man's chasing him yeah. in that scene, you can clearly see when a door closes that his fingers aren't trapped in that door. Yes. And and then you look up and then it's it you see that the fingers are in the door. It's like, yes. oh dear. Yeah, yes. no, it didn't quite work. Now, yeah, yeah. <laughs> have you seen any of the sequels? Oh yeah, yeah. I love them all. Well, I say I love them all. Uh, two, three, and four. I love five. Is okay. Now I've seen. I haven't seen. I've seen two. I haven't seen the others. 
Um, <sighs> but I do think two has got one of the best trailers of all times. I love the trailer for part two. It too is brilliant. I love it. It's 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 basically it is exactly what would happen if Hollywood looked at that film and said, sort of, you know, we, we're going to progress the story, but it's ultimately like a remake, if you will, yeah. a big budget remake. We don't want it to be um, confusing. We want the na- we want the narrative to just play it straight, nice and linear, and that and it's going to play as just a real ninety minute ball busting action horror movie. Um, and I know some fans don't like it because it loses that crazy nightmarish feel where it's all like hypnotic and stuff but for me it works brilliantly and it works as a great sort of counterpiece to the original so in terms of the series what kind of path does the rest of the series take then uh well the third one to be honest the third one ultimately plays out like like two but on a much lower budget i think the budget if it was something like three million and it went straight to to video um so it is just like a much smaller scale production um and i can't recall it being there are moments, there is a couple of moments where they, they bring um, the original mic back into it. Um, and it's a, there's a few moments which you could probably argue are a bit confusing. But again, it plays it quite straight. And the fourth one goes back to basics. It's it's a much lower budget and it's similar to the first one. And what's in, in it's trying to you know delve deeper into the mythos of the tall man mm. um but it's again it's it's very confusing it, it chops and changes it goes all over the place but what's wicked about the the fourth one is they use a handful of scenes that were shot for the original which which don obviously still had access to yeah so it kind of helps serve the plot but it's wicked because you're watching you're like oh my god i'm seeing you know like joe um well, reggie and and mike in a in a scene from the original phantasm that I never saw an original Phantasm. It's almost like it was meant to be. It's almost like he planned it 20 years ahead sort of thing. So, yeah, it's, it's, it's really good. I love them all, really. Excellent. Because, I mean, like, Ravager came out, and that was the last one that Angus Grimm did, wasn't it? Yeah. It was his it, last one. It, it's a shame. They tried really hard with that one, but it is, from what I gather, like, a, it was originally going to be, like, a web webisode thingy where they just really cheap, low budget, and like, they, they shot it in over the course of a couple of years i think and then just realized they had enough material for a film it's almost like a fan film if you will i don't want i don't want to you know bag on it too much yeah because they they do their best um and even bring back a, a great fan favorite character from the third one um for a cameo uh but it, it's just it's it's got real big ambitions but it just doesn't have the budget or the effects to back it up mm. but it's still it's still a nice it's a nice touch and it's in it was a good send-off in a way because you know, the fans wanted to see one more film from Angus before he passed on. So, yeah. Now, so what is for you? What are the highlights in, for Phantasm? What are, what's the highlights for the original for you? Uh, well, to be honest, the scene that you mentioned uh, where Mike's in bed, uh, yeah, and yeah, obviously, yeah, the, yeah. you know, that's that's a great scene. Um, obviously, apart from all the funny moments, like for example, the, the moment where Mike picks up the lady in lavender in the bar. It's the quickest pickup of all time. It's impressive. It, it's, he walks in there. He's only just got his beer, and and he, I think he's had one sip, and then they're leaving. And the thing that cracks me up, like literally, this guy is the smoothest guy on the planet, you know. So either, either that or she's just a slut. Um, obviously, we we now we now know we now know that she's probably not a slut. She's actually the tour manager just wants another victim. Fine, yes. okay, fine. So that makes sense. But when they're walking out of the bar, um, and then um, uh, sorry, Jody's walking out of the bar with the woman, and and then Mike is following them. There's a sign that says. Um, parking in rear 
which always cracks me up yeah. because they're off to you know to get up to some shenanigans. And then um, Mike goes past a gravestone when he's following Jody and the Lady in Lavender, um, and the gravestone says Bush on it. And that, that always because we know in we know in his seventies it would be nothing but Bush. Yes. Um, so and then when Jody's walking further on into the graveyard with the Lady in Lavender, even though she's clearly they've clearly made it obvious that they're just going to go and screw she just wants to really put the nail in in the coffin yes. by basically saying so what's the only thing to do in this town like not not like you know is there something we can do hint hint she's what's the only thing we can do in this town as if basically yeah the only thing you can do is, is screw so that just cracks me up <laughs> um but other than those those funny moments it's for me it's the very end once you realize that it is a dream if you will. And yeah. then Mike goes upstairs to pack his belongings. Cause him and Reggie are going to go away on a road trip. Um, and then when he closes that, that door is, is wardrobe door. And then you can see the tall man in the reflection of the mirror. And then he says, boy, and then the yeah. lurkers just grab him through the glass. It's just, it's one of the greatest endings in horror movie history. I love it. Awesome. So here we go. Then scores on the doors time. What would you score? Phantasm out of 10. 10. 10. Wow. 10. There we, 10. There we go then. You know, All day long. I'd probably come in at about an 8. But, um, wow, a 10. Holy there, there, shit. There's only, probably only about 10 horror films out there that I love, like, like to the bones and can watch over and over and over again. So even though I, I totally agree, if I, if I was being a critic and marking it objectively, it's probably a 7 or an 8. But because I love it so much and I can watch it without ever getting bored of it, it's, it's a 10 for me all day long. It's just a classic. It's a masterpiece. It is, I, I, do you know what? I think it, it, there's a big part of me that would love to be able to give it a 10. Uh, <laughs> it, is, it really is. But no, it's definitely an 8. For me, for me it's an 8. But wow. I mean, um, I mean this, is, this is one of your favourites of all time, of course it is. So... I've got it. I've got it tattooed on my back. I've got the word "phantasm" tattooed on my back. That's how much of a geek I am. That's impressive. That's commitment. <laughs> yeah. That's commitment to the cause. That is, is commitment to the cause. I am impressed by that. Now, one of the things I wanted to touch on is some of you were letterbox reviews. Um, <laughs> they are amazing, and they are always controversial. Um, now, before we wrap things up. Tell the good people where they can find you on the social media zizzizzizz and your letterbox. Um, well, just slash a trash on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and letterboxed. Come and have a go at me because I'm a real generous scorer. And I give, <laughs> I give everything five out of five. No, I'm basically, I'm reviewing my favorite movies at the moment. So it does seem like it's boring because all I'm doing is throwing out fours and four and a half and fives. If you look on my letterbox, you will see I do deliver a couple of ones, a couple of one and a halves. There are some really crap slasher films out there, so I'll get to them eventually. <laughs> I can't wait for the day where you actually do get. There's going to be a moment where the internet breaks, where you actually do, you know, you, you get past like some of your favorites, and there's that one really shit one that you're going to give a one to. Yeah. And everything will just stop. But I bet you'll, you'll find somebody to argue with that will give it a five. 
I already have. It's this one film called Borden House, a slasher from like 1982. It's a one out of five for me. It's 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 the worst joint, the worst one that I've seen. I just couldn't get on with it. The music's wicked. The music is this weird kind of like Halloween rip off, plinky plunky sort of sound. Yeah. Um, but it's just trash. It's just low budget crap. It just can't. It's just almost unwatchable. Um, and but people still said to me, Nah, that's, it's not that bad. It's not that bad. I'm like, cool. I I love the fact that you love it. Somebody's got a champion Borden House, and I, I've already met a few people who love it. So good for them, but for me, one out of five. So where did your love of like slasher movies come from? Where did it begin? It was Friday the 13th. Uh, my parents rented it out, and I got sent to bed when... Oh, God, what's her name? I think it's Annie. An- no, not Annie. I can't, I can't remember her name. Gets whacked in the face with, yes, the, with the axe. Yeah. Um, yeah. My mum and dad were like, oh, that's too much. It's too much. Go to bed. So then that was it. I was like, oh, my God, these films. I've, I've got to see more. I've got to see more. Um, so then I just... That was it. And obviously, I'd seen Halloween maybe not so long after that an early age and i just i just love the simplicity of normally a maniac in a mask hacking up teens i don't ask for much in my films you know what i mean (laughs) i'm very simple (laughs) i've been called that several times (laughs) i'm easily pleased yes honestly i mean some of the you know i mean i gotta be honest there are some of them out there that are hidden there are some slasher movies out there that are hidden gems and there are some not so much, um, but yeah, no, it's it's a wonderful genre. I love the genre, um, but I don't think I've ever come across somebody who's got a passion for it like you. So uh, you know, if anybody out there, go out there and look at Gareth's uh, letterbox reviews because they are they're absolutely brilliant. They are superb. Um, Gah, it's been a pleasure. It's been an thank you for pleasure. having me. No problem, and fairly contr- you know controversy free. Yeah, it was this time. Yeah, well, apart from you know the odd the odd gremlin in the system. <laughs> the odd gremlin, that, that's, yeah. That's not that's not controversial, is no, it? No. Oh, quickly, actually, before you do go, let me just tell you this. So there's a woman who plays Sally, the woman in the car in Phantasm, who yes. um, they all end up driving in the antique shop. She's played by an actress called Lynn Eastman, who went on to make Night of the Demon in 1983, which isn't that that Bigfoot slasher where the guy gets his dick ripped off. Yes. She she ended up marrying Leo Rossi, Bud from Halloween 2. Wow. So she became Lynn Eastman Rossi and they have their own film production company. Wow. So wow. Phantasm is linked to a slasher somehow, some way. See, it's what a small world we live in. Exactly. What a small world we live in. And on that bombshell... Thank you, Gamman. I really appreciate it. I can't wait for you to come back and talk again. It's been superb. <laughs> You're you t- welcome. You take care, man. You take care, mate. See you soon. As always, I want to say a very, very big special thank you to my special co-host on this one, Gareth, the man, the one, the only slasher trash himself for being on. Always a pleasure. Can't wait to have him back on again. Always entertaining. Now, I've got some interesting news for you guys. Um, Some of you who, well, all of you, or maybe none of you, I don't know, most likely you do, um, who follow on uh, the social medias, who follow the show on uh, Twitter, on Instagram, and on Facebook, um, will have noticed that recently I've been posting um, about the feature version of the film School Hall Slaughter that I shot last summer and that's true we are going to we're, we're pushing ahead it's had a lot of amazing feedback if you look um out there for rick eaglestone's uh review uh of the short film um 
it's 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 a wonderful review. It's really really flattering, and I'm very very grateful that he enjoyed, and I'm glad he enjoyed the film. Um, however, we have now launched our Indiegogo campaign, and I can uh, with I'm honestly we've it's been up a couple of days now. I'm already blown away um, as friend of the show, the one, the only. You know him as Blake at Spivey Point. Paul to his friends. Uh, has become an associate producer by picking, snagging one of those limited perks that we have on our Indiegogo campaign. So, you know, we've had a number um, of donations already. And I'm honestly, I'm incredibly grateful um, to, to, the, to everybody who has supported us, who is, um, who is right behind us. Honestly, I'm honest. I can't believe it. I am so grateful and just blown away really and what i want to do is i want to say a big thank you to those people right now first of all paul blake at spivey points put his money where his mouth is he's backed the film 100 he has picked up one of the perks for for us and he has become an associate producer an associate producer of the film up next our very old jay yes our man Jay Prowse has uh, already donated, so thank you, Jay. I'm kind of honestly, I appreciate it so much. Uh, Rapster T has donated, thank you, man. Uh, I genuinely appreciate it. Alex Bourne, thank you so much. Honestly, your all your donations are helping make this come true, and I can't wait to get the cameras rolling. And I can't wait to share with you this fantastic fantastic film um and also we have got the one the only mr peter allison thank you so much for your donation honestly every little helps so guys please if you've got some spare change just knocking around or anything you find behind the back of the sofa pop onto indiegogo type in school hall slaughter follow the links that we're posting at the minute and come over check out the perks and claim them we've got stickers we've got key rings we've got digital downloads we've got amazing artwork drawn by uh our leading lady emma stacy honestly thank you so much guys um i appreciate everything you're doing not only the people who have donated but also the cast and the crew because they're working so hard to help put this together so that we can bring you school hall slaughter the feature so get on over to indiegogo and help us make it come true thank you so much you know for the cost of um uh, a Domino's pizza, you can get a um, a digital download of the film with a special message from myself at the start for you guys. So thank you so much. I genuinely, from the bottom of my heart, appreciate it. And even if you can't afford to, please share the message, share the love. Um, so thank you. Thank you so much. Okay, up next, we have got What the Wookiee Watched. And first up, we have got... Joker Clown. Oh, Chris, I didn't think I'd be carrying my stepbrother and his wife's baby a year ago. I don't know what tomorrow holds on you. <laughs> really? You'll give the poor thing nightmares. I would have liked it when I was younger. You smell of fire. Now what the hell is that ugly ass thing? <laughs> it's not funny. Why'd you own that? I 
got it the other day. <laughs> Say cheese. Oh, a face only a mother could love. Okay, that was the trailer for Joker Clown, also known as Clown Doll. Uh, this was written and directed by Scott Jeffrey. Uh, it stars Sarah T. Cohen as Lane, Kate Lesher, Susanna, Kelly uh, Juvil? Juvil? Juvial? Juvial. Jovial. Jovial. I'm going to say that. I'm going to go with that. I apologise if I've got it wrong. As Lisa, uh, Peter Cosgrove as Scott, uh, John Scott Clark as John, Hattie Willow as uh, main policewoman, Mark Sears as Carl, Yvonne Wan as Polly, and Katie Miller-Evans as Dee, and Carmina Cordelia as Jamie. Um... Of course, this is um, an independent horror. This is a low-budget film. Um, and I really enjoyed this one. i got to be honest with you. Um, does it slow down in parts? Yes, it does slow down. Um, and is the cover a little misleading? Um, yes, but I can forgive it because it's a very, very cool cover. Um, I really enjoyed it. I really thoroughly enjoyed this one. Um, it's it's not going to be to everyone's taste. Um, however, the final payoff at the end is pretty impressive um however like i said dips in the middle a little bit um you know you you if you go by the cover you might just sort of be a little bit sort of underwhelmed by the main protagonist sort of look however i really really enjoyed this there's a good movie in there the, the cast are superb in this uh, Sarah T. Uh, Cohen as Lane is excellent in this. I really, really enjoyed her performance, as well as um, uh, or uh, Jamie character uh, Carmina Cordella. Um, I thought she was. I thought they were both great. I really, really enjoyed their scenes together. I really enjoyed um, Carmina's um, death scene. I thought that was a great kill. Um, there's some great practical effects in there. There's some really good. You know, there's some good practical effects throughout this film. Um, and I would give this a five out of ten. Okay, up next, we have got, from 2016, The Boy. Let's check out the trailer. We've had a number of potential nannies come through already. Do you think you can manage? Of course. I'm Malcolm. Hi. I'm the grocery boy. Well, grocery man. <laughs> Lead the way. Allow me to introduce Mr. Hilter. 
And this is our son, Ross. <laughs> Music gives him so much joy. Brahms is not like other children. It is very important that you follow these rules. Be good to him and he'll be good to you. No offense, Brahms, but you kind of creep me out. That was the trailer for The Boy from 2016. Uh, the Boy was directed by William Brent Bell and written by Stacey Minear. It starred Laura Cohen of The Walking Dead fame as Grace Evans, Rupert Evans as Malcolm, James Russell as Brahms himself, Jim Norton as Mr Hilshire, Diana Hardcastle as Mrs Hilshire, Ben Robson as Combe and Jet Klein as Brahms as a child. Um, I loved this film. I thought it was great. Uh, when it first came out, I think um, it had a few mixed reviews, um, but I thoroughly, thoroughly enjoyed this. It's got a great twist in it. It's got a fantastic sting in the tale. Uh, I'm not going to give too much away, but essentially it is the story of an American nanny who arrives in the UK to uh, be to look after... What she thinks is a young boy, which turns out to be a doll, um, and the creepiness ensues. This is a great film. Um, it's it, it, you can sort of that you can you can feel the nods to the innocence uh, in this. The others, there's you know a touch of the you know there's almost like a touch of the turn of the screw to it. This is a great great um, example of atmospheric horror um, that cranks up as we go along. Um, I think Laura Cohen's performance in this is excellent. She does a superb job. I think uh, Jim Norton and Diana Harcastle do a brilliant, brilliant job in this. My biggest problem is Ben Robson as Cole. Didn't think he was very good, to be perfectly honest. I know that's a bit of a mean thing to say, but I didn't think his performance was great um, in comparison to everybody else. But then, you know, what do I know? What do I know? Um, this is a great, great film. I thoroughly, thoroughly enjoyed it. 
Um, and I would give this um, an 8 out of 10. Okay, one more thing before we go. I am going to play you guys the trailer for The Haunting of Molly Bannister, directed by our very good friend of the show, Mr. M.J. Dixon. Let's check out the trailer. talking to darling Molly something was watching me staring at me looking right at me understand he's getting worse that thing is alive, like what he said it is. I think our daughter is obsessed by something. Something that came in that thing. I don't feel safe here, Mum. There's something wrong with my daughter. Whatever it is, take over your sister. Forever. So what now? Okay, that was the trailer for The Haunting of Molly Bannister, which is available now. You can get it on iTunes. You can find it in uh, HMV, in Asda, in all the big main supermarkets. It's there. Um, it's distributed by 101 Films. Um, I've seen it. Um, I really, really enjoyed it. It's got this wonderful 70s creepy uh, vibe to it it's got some really disturbing moments in it um, I thoroughly thoroughly enjoyed it so get out there and support indie horror and give our friend MJ your support so ladies and gentlemen it's been a bit of a funny episode this one um, uh, first of all once again I want to say thank you to Gareth for being on honestly it's always a pleasure um, just a great, great, great guy. Everybody's already con con contributed. Excuse me, guys. Bit, bit tired now. Uh, contributed to uh, the Indiegogo campaign. Thank you very much. Don't forget to pop on over to our Indiegogo campaign site um, and check it out. Um, and as always, thank you to everybody who's listened um, and supported the show on Instagram, on Twitter, and on Facebook. And I'm going to keep updating you as we go along. Uh, with uh, with pre-production on the feature version of School Hall Slaughter. 
Ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much. Please be kind to each other. Look after each other. So, in the immortal words of Count Ducula, good night out there, whatever you are.